Lots of people look at overnight success for creators and wonder why it's not happening for them. But the truth is, it wasn't overnight. There's a lot of trial and error, learning and adjusting until you get it right. And that's what Haley Akins is here to talk to us about today. She's had quite a journey as a motion designer, surviving the death of Flash to emerge as a course creator and educator, showing a new generation of motion designers how to be successful freelancers. And she does it with a little help from YouTube. And that is what we're going to dive into today. So have a listen for these top takeaways to play with gateway videos and looking for popular topics on YouTube to introduce a new audience to you. Leverage analytics and tools like vidIQ and TubeBuddy to understand what's going on and what's working and what's not working. And remember, it takes time to be successful on YouTube. Be patient and keep going. This is a great episode for anybody who is still looking for that success on YouTube, which is why I had Haley on, because I am still looking for that success on YouTube, and I'm definitely implementing the advice that she gives. So thanks to our sponsors. You'll hear about them later on in the show. But for now, let's get to the intro and then the interview. Hey, everybody, and welcome to How I Built It, the podcast where you get free coaching calls from successful creators. Each week, you get actionable advice on how you can build a better content business, to increase revenue, and establish yourself as an authority. I'm your host, Joe Casabona. Now let's get to it. Hello and welcome to episode 309 of How I Built It. Our sponsors for today are Gap Scout, Groundhog, and LearnDash. You probably already heard me say that in the cold open. I'm here with Haley Akins, CEO of Motion Hatch, and compatriot in uh, the creator science Lab. That's what Jay's calling it nowadays, right? Uh, Haley, how are you today? Yeah, I'm very good. It's uh, great to be here. Yes, thanks for coming on the show. I'm excited because uh, your area of expertise is one that I've always like aspirationally wanted to learn, but also never wanted to take the time to learn it. Um, so motion hatch, you do like motion graphics, right? And and sort of stuff like that. Do you want to give us like a high level overview of like your day-to-day work before we dive into YouTube? Yeah, so it's quite interesting actually because I don't actually animate anymore. So I was a motion designer for around 12 years. Um, I started off full-time and then I went freelance and I started Motion Hatch because a lot of my friends in the industry were struggling to get clients. They didn't know what to charge. They didn't know how to email their clients. And for some reason, I was doing okay. I was doing pretty well. I mean, I think it's mainly based on the fact that I'd already been in the industry for seven years working full time. I made a Mm -hmm. lot of contacts and stuff like that. And I saw them struggling. And this is kind of where Motion Hatch came in. And I actually started my podcast in 2017 called Motion Hatch. And it was helping motion designers with the business side of things, which at the time, there was absolutely nothing online about that. 
So it was very exciting to start that and everyone got very excited. And then now that is my full-time business. That's super cool and really interesting, right? Because I come from the web design space and I feel like web development, like resources for helping freelance web developers have existed almost as long as freelance web developers have. Like I'm, I've been freelancing since like t- 2001, let's say, like my my high my church came to me and asked me for a website. Um, and that was like my first gig and also first paid gig. Um, and then like Freelance Switch came around in like 2007, like Freelance Switch from Envato. And that was like a, a message board essentially designed to help web development freelancers, essentially. Um, and like they like build it as like anybody, but like it was mostly web developers and web designers. Uh, and so it's really interesting that like it wasn't until 10 years later that something for like motion designers. Do you think that's because like most um, like motion designers generally have like a full time gig somewhere? No, I think quite a lot. It's a similar industry in that quite a lot of people are freelance. I don't know what the answer is that. I think that the motion design industry is obviously a little bit younger than the web design industry. Mm -hmm. So potentially that has something to do with it. Um, Yeah. There's lots of, there was lots of kind of online tutorials and courses teaching you the skills of motion design. Right. But there wasn't anyone teaching the freelance skills of motion design. So I I wonder if the, tell me if I'm way off base here, right? But Flash was a thing online for a long time that kind like achieved like the sort of animation stuff on websites that that you no longer see today because Flash is dead. Do you think like the death of Flash ushered in the need for like motion design like freelance skills? Like like do you think that you've been at this for a while? Do you was there like an in, an industry change when Flash died? Um. So I think that how motion design kind of came about is because you had like animators, right? And you Mm. had designers. So you had the traditional animators like the Disney people and and things like that. And then you've got designers and then everything kind of went online and also like with TV ads and stuff like that. And they were like, hey, like the advertising industry was like, hey, we need like animators, but not like these traditional people. We need animators who've also got a sense of design and you know maybe I'm kind of wrong in that but that's how I think of motion design where I think of it as a cross normally between an animator and a designer and it generally is commercial advertising jobs like obviously some motion designers do title sequences and things like that Um, but I think that mainly it was trying to get people to make things move for advertisements essentially and I think that's kind of where it came out of you know so kind of a mixture between like an editor a designer and an animator and then a motion designer was born (laughs) wow that's that's so interesting I think that's super cool um and so you started motion hatch to help freelancers and that's basically what you're doing nowadays which is awesome the other thing I wanted to touch on here was you like the path you took is the path that I really did not take in my freelance career that I absolutely should have. Like the best advice that I never took was after college, get a job in your field so that you can learn like how the pros do it, 
And then you can make connections. And I was like 24. I went to grad school. I was like 24 and full of hubris. And I was like, I don't need that. I've been freelancing for like most, like half my life at this point or whatever. Um, and then like two years into being out of school and freelancing, I was like, I definitely should have done that. So then I, I went back and did that. Um, of course, now I'm making the same mistake with podcasting, right? Like I didn't, I didn't, I don't, I've never held a job in the podcast industry. Um, but I'm helping people podcast, so. Does en- do anyone really hold a job in the podcast industry? I mean, I guess like radio, right? Well, so. you know, it's really it's really interesting. Maybe we could talk about this in in the pro show, but I don't know. Like the podcast industry is so young that it probably is mostly made up of like of made up of like independent podcasters like me, and then like radio people, and then you have those networks that are getting bought up, right? Like Wondery, mm. uh, and um, like Art19 was bought by uh, Amazon. Wondery, I think, was also bought by Amazon, maybe. Um, Gimlet was bought by, I think, Spotify. So like, right, you had these like little podcast-only outfits that are getting eaten up by big tech. So maybe not, right? Maybe now, if I was starting like 10 years ago, right? Or if I was 10 years younger, maybe then I would get like a job at at big tech, but... I've been freelancing yeah. or I've been like podcasting for 10 years. Um, so interesting, interesting thought and question. Um, now you make, uh, I'm going to say heavy use of YouTube because that's where I'm most familiar with your content. I know you, you're also doing, um, you're also active on Twitter as we record this. Is that right? Um, yeah. So kind of all the platforms, which is bad, but what mm. I would consider my main platforms is at the moment YouTube. My main platform or like my main content piece before was the podcast, right? Mm -hmm. And then all of the other kind of social medias, we sort of just spread it all out between them, but in a unique way that it makes sense for that platform. But me personally, like not Motion Hatch, I mainly post on LinkedIn and then a bit on Twitter. But I think LinkedIn is like, the place that I'm the most active because that's kind of where my audience is right now. And I think that's partly my fault because I kind of told them all to go there to get clients. And then I was like, wait a minute, I should also be there. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm sorry, you said LinkedIn is where you're most active. Yeah, LinkedIn. Yeah. Apart from YouTube, like YouTube is, is like a weekly video. And at the moment we've kind of paused the podcast because I did 100 episodes and then I was like, I really want to give this YouTube thing a go, like yeah. seriously. And at the time, I felt like I couldn't really give them both my all. So I thought, okay, well, I'm going to pause the podcast for a bit and then go all in on YouTube, see how that goes, and then maybe bring the podcast back. So that's kind of where we are right now. Nice. And yeah, that's really interesting, right? Because like right now, as we record this in early 2023, podcast discovery is tough. Like yeah, getting exactly. right, whereas like with YouTube, like discovery is the whole thing. You play the algorithm game, and and like you could have a video get big, whereas there's not really an algorithm game to play with podcasting. Like there's no there's no place like YouTube for podcasts, despite what like Spotify wants you to think. Um. So yeah, that's that's really interesting. And so like I I would say. 
if you do go back to the podcast, like you'd still probably want to use YouTube to funnel people to the podcast or have your podcast on YouTube. Yeah, I think that what I would like to do is have the do the podcast interviews and then make kind of 10 minute little highlights or mm-hmm. a really, really good full length show. But then I just don't really know how that fits in with my YouTube strategy right now of like doing these kind of me talking to camera type videos. And we've tried a few out and they've worked quite well. But I think it's just at the moment, we've only been doing it just over a year. So I'm still in the exploring phase of like, what is my voice on YouTube? What is Motion Hatch's voice? That kind of thing. So I think, yeah, I think it's interesting. There's definitely a way that we could do both. And I'm really excited about that because I have a lot of people being like, bring the podcast back. Nice, that's awesome. I I, I really want to do that um, because obviously they're our biggest fans and I want to help them out, right? Um, yeah. And I, I like doing it. I, I was looking forward to doing this today because I like to chat with people on podcasts. It's just fun. Um, awesome. So yeah, I would like to do that, but kind of seeing what happens, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, if you want to chit-chat about that strategy, that's like where I live right now. So um, happy to chat. Offline, of course, I want to key, key in on something you said here, which is, You've been doing YouTube for just over a year, so you're still in the exploring phase. I think that people, st- I mean, this is maybe I'm like strawmanning this argument, right? But it really feels like the mindset going into YouTube is like, I'm going to make YouTube videos, I'm going to blow up, it's going to be awesome um, in like a very short time frame. Uh, so, Tell me a little bit more about like the, like, are you purposefully slow playing YouTube or like, did you learn that you're in the exploring phase, like the hard way where like you did like a month of content and like you had like five views total or whatever? Well, I don't know. I mean, maybe the exploring phase to me means different to like other people. So I think that I definitely took my podcast knowledge and strategy into the YouTube space. And I was like, okay, I know that I need to make this a big all singing, all dancing launch. I know that I need to do like at least four videos to start with so that people understand what content is going to be on here. I mean, we did put some of the podcasts on there originally. So when I say we've been doing it for just over a year, I mean dedicated weekly videos. Right. right. So, but we were were really wishy-washy with the podcast. We didn't really do thumbnails or anything like that. But we did already have 2,000 subscribers. So just by putting the podcast up there, audio only, we'd kind of just, people wanted us to be there. So I was like, okay, well, they obviously want us to be here. So I did a big launch. I did a live event. So I took some of that knowledge from doing the podcast into that space. But what I mean by exploring, I think, is every week, and I think all YouTubers do this, like, I don't feel like we've got a set strategy where we're like, this really works. Let's just do this. It's all about looking at the analytics and looking at what worked last week or what didn't work or what your best performing video is. And then it's like, how can you improve on that? And I think that you always have to be thinking about that. So I don't know whether it's just always learning and always kind of trying to be 1% better each time. Yeah. So that's really interesting, right? Because I've had guests on the show say like, oh, I don't play the, like I never look at my analytics. I don't play the 
algorithm game. Um, and I really think it depends, right? Because I I met with a YouTube consultant a while back uh, for like a, a, I got like a free hour consultation when I bought, I think it was vidIQ or like TubeBuddy, one of those. Um, and And he basically said to me, if one of your videos goes viral, like if one of these videos goes viral, are you cool just making those videos from now on? And he said, if you can, if you answer, if you look at a video and you answer that question with no, you should unlist it. Because like, that's how, that's how YouTube works and the analytics work. So like looking at analytics, right. And saying like, oh man, this video got like a hundred views and this one got a thousand. It's, it's probably going to push you in the right direction, right? Like, oh, well, more people want to see this. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. I, I mean, we just look at like, okay, this kind of brought more people in and we have a strategy in the way that we have what I like to call kind of like gateway videos. So mm -hmm. for example, in my niche, um, After Effects is really popular because that's the tool that most motion designers use. So I might make a video about the top 10 free places to learn After Effects. I don't teach After Effects myself, but it's related to my content mm, because they're yeah. my people. So I'll be like, hey, you want to learn After Effects? Here's all the place, places that you can learn. But you know what you should be learning? You should be learning more about how to grow your career and the business side of things because that's going to help you to make money as a motion designer. So then that's kind of in my eyes, how I kind of get them into my content. Because I feel like my content isn't necessarily what people want, right? Mm -hmm. But it's more like what they need. So uh, I think we've yeah. got like a harder sell on YouTube because of that. Because I have friends in the motion design industry who teach After Effects tutorials and they have hundreds and thousands or one of them has like 700,000 subscribers. Wow. But that's because that's what everyone wants to learn but obviously you've got a smaller group of those people who are professional and then maybe an even smaller group who are freelance, right? So, right. but I think it's like the quality of that audience is what I'm really looking for. Yeah, that's a really good point, right? Um, you know, I read, um, I mean, if maybe you've seen, if you're, if you're on LinkedIn, right? Justin Welch is like a yeah. solopreneur guy and he like talks about how he has like four hypotheses hypotheses, hypotheses. He has four hypotheses for, um, I've never said the plural of that out loud, I guess. Um, pricing his course. And like the first one is like, I want to get like beginners, right? So it has to be priced less than 300 bucks. I want it to be shareable and recommendable. And so, or I want it to be an impulse buy. So it has to be less than 200 bucks. I want shareable. So it probably has to be less than 150 bucks. And I want, it to go global. So I need like price parity or whatever. And uh, I'm just like reading that going, I mean, I've never sold a million dollars in anything, maybe like lifetime for my web development career, maybe. Um, but it just feels like that's not the approach I would want to take. I'm, as we record this, thinking of doubling the price of my playbook because I want the perceived value to be higher than the, where it's priced now, because I think it is more valuable. And so I'm just like reading that going like, maybe, I mean, maybe that's his audience. Maybe I want the higher end audience, right? I don't really feel like I need to get beginners because every podcast host has a guide on how to start a podcast. I want the people who are ready to level up their business. So that's, that's a really smart way to look at it. 
But then the other side of it, right, is that you have those gateway videos. This is the thing that's missing for me, I think. I'm like, I'm going to teach the things that people need to know. But like, if you're playing the YouTube game, like you still need to teach people what they want to know first to like bring them in, right? Yeah, exactly. So we're trying to do a little bit of that, but then we'll have like our evergreen kind of videos where it'll be like a how-to sort of thing. And then we'll have what we call like our deep content. So that that's more like, um, you know, maybe more of an in-depth story kind of thing or maybe a longer interview or something like that. Um, and then, yeah, then we'll have our like trend type videos. So they generally fall into those buckets and we try and do about one a month. I've never okay. actually spoken about this, so it's really interesting because, you know, when you talk about it out loud, you're like, oh, we do have a strategy. Cool. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny that you say that because I've like found the same thing with podcasting. Like when people are like, how did you grow your show? And I'm like, I don't know. And then I'm like, oh, I guess I did these things, right? And like, I, so I, I did have a plan. I just didn't like verbalize it. Um, so, so this is cool. So now that we're like touching on content, so how, how do you come up with content? Like, how did you know that after effects is a popular topic. And then like what made you think, yeah, so I should show people like where they can learn after effects. Like what what's that process like? Well, because I look at other motion designers in my industry and people mm-hmm. that I know really well. Um, and they all teach After Effects and they all have huge channels. (laughs) So, I mean, that's pretty obvious, right? But like, if you just look at, you know, I I do occasionally look on vidIQ. I I mean, I think that we do that less and less as like tags kind of become a little bit less relevant Mm -hmm. um, than they used to be, I think. Um, That's kind of what I've heard from all of these YouTube that's really interesting, right? I didn't realize that vidIQ like relied so heavily on tags, but that makes a lot of sense. And you're right. Like they aren't, I've read the same thing, I guess. We've probably read the same thing that tags are less relevant because YouTube is like basically watching your video and transcribing it and it knows what your video is about already. Yeah, exactly. So we rely much more on like the actual content on the title, on the thumbnail, you know, everything that you hear everyone saying about YouTube, we try and do all of those things. In terms of like how I come up with content, um, I have an editor and we have a monthly call every month um, and we talk about the upcoming content for that month and we discuss those different types of videos. Um, We both do research and we look around at like what's popular. I look around at what's popular in other niches. I rarely Mm. kind of look at my own niche, um, mainly because there isn't really anyone else doing the same kind of thing on YouTube. I mean, there there are a couple of people who are like in vaguely similar areas. But in terms of like, if I just looked in my niche, like I said, it would be mostly After Effects or Cinema 4D tutorials and stuff like that. So I look to other niches to find ideas. And then I think, okay, how would that work in my niche? And how can I make this the best, most valuable video that it can be? This episode is brought to you by Groundhog. Groundhog is an open source CRM and marketing automation suite for serious agencies, small businesses, content creators, e-commerce experts, and WordPress professionals. Groundhog allows you to create funnels, automate email and SMS communications, and manage your contacts from the comfort of your WordPress dashboard. Unlike other SaaS CRM platforms, Groundhog does not charge you a success tax. 
Groundhog charges a flat rate fee, regardless of the size of your list. Groundhog will never charge you more as your list grows. It also integrates with all of the top WordPress, e-commerce, LMS, and membership plugins to create a unified customer experience. Start now with a 14-day demo for $1. Go to howibuilt.it slash groundhog. That's howibuilt.it slash G-R-O-U-N-D-H-O-G-G. Or use the code HOWIBUILTIT for 20% off your first year of any plan. Thanks so much to Groundhog for sponsoring this episode of How I Built It. This episode is brought to you by LearnDash. Look, I've been making courses for a long time. I've taught at the college level and I've created curriculums for several different organizations, including Udemy, Sessions College, and LinkedIn Learning. When I create my own courses, there's no better option than LearnDash. LearnDash combines cutting-edge e-learning tools with WordPress. They're trusted to power learning programs for major universities, small to mid-sized companies, startups, and creators worldwide. What makes LearnDash so great is it was created by and is run by people who deeply understand online learning and adds features that are truly helpful for independent course creators. I love the user experience. And now you can import Vimeo and YouTube playlists and have a course created automatically in seconds. I trust LearnDash to run my courses and membership, and you should too. Learn more at howibuilt.it slash learndash. So what you've intuited, it's, it's really interesting because um, Jake Thomas talked about this when he came on the show. Um, he runs Creator Hooks. It's a really great um, product and newsletter. But he says, like, look at other like adjacent niches. You say niche, I say niche. I, I think I say it wrong. Um, and and then like things that aren't even related to what you do to get inspiration for your own stuff, right? Because if you're looking at if you're looking at your own field the whole time, you're probably in a little bit of an echo chamber, right? Every podcaster is going to talk about the Roadcaster Pro 2 and why you should use the Shure MV7 mic, right? And that's just like, I don't need to add my voice to that particular conversation. But maybe there's other stuff I could talk about. Yeah, and I think it's just in terms of like titles and thumbnails too, which I know Jake talks a lot about. Yeah. Um, just having those ideas. And then once I see like a great thumbnail or a great title, I think oh, this has given me a great idea for a video and how I can use that title and then make a really great video that's going to help a lot of people. So I think that's how I think about it. And I think it's working okay so far. You know, we haven't got the biggest channel, but um, I hope that it grows because I, I know that I'm working really hard every week to get a great video out and I get a lot of good feedback and I think it's a great channel. So I hope more people find it so they can enjoy it. Yeah, that's that's great. Um, and so that's kind of coming up. You, you get a lot of feedback, right? So do you get a lot of questions too that you kind of turn into videos? Yeah, so I always ask, um, do you want me to elaborate on this point? Do you want me to make a video about this topic? You know, if I mention something else in the video, um, sometimes people just say in the comments, oh, it'd be great if you could make a video about this. Like we just mm. did one about cold emailing and someone was yeah, like, can you make a video? Yeah, I was watching video? that one. 
Yeah. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I was, and someone said, can we make a video about like email subject lines? And I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Like I didn't think of that, yeah. but it makes sense that that could be like a follow-on video. Nice. I really like that. Um, Cause like, then you're like kind of answering, you know, it's the, the kind of common, like talk to your customers, answer the questions they're asking, right? Don't like put words in their mouth. Don't think, don't do what you think they want, do what they actually want. And so I know that could be like hard at first if you're not getting a lot of comments, right? And then maybe you look at other adjacent niches or niches um, and see like what people are commenting on those videos and then come up with some ideas. But eventually you'll start to get feedback, which I think is really cool. Um, I just got a comment on on one of my videos that's like asking me about if I think one LMS is better than the other. And so really feels like I should do a, a, a versus video, like a VS video, like this one versus that one feels like good content if I want to do it. Um, so let me ask you here as we're, uh, we're coming up, we're not quite there, but we're coming up on time. I want to be mindful of that. Um, how do you stay consistent? It sounds like you have an editor. Um, yes. My editor always did like, I felt like that was the hardest part for me, uh, was sending my video off for somebody else to edit. I was the bottleneck there, but, uh, what else do you do to, to stay consistent? Well, I just want to say a couple of things about having an editor and stuff like that too, right? Yeah. So when I first started my podcast, um, I started it because I met um, a podcast editor called Jeremy Enns, who's also in Jay Class's community, but we've known yeah. each other for a long time. And we met through this community called Location Indie. And I was talking about my my idea of starting Motion Hatch, but I, at the time, a lot of people were doing blogging, but I'm a rubbish writer. <laughs> because I'm obviously a designer. Um, and he said, oh, maybe you should start a podcast. And I don't know whether he was doing it because he wanted me to be his client, but I hired him, basically. Nice. So I've never, ever edited any of my podcasts or any of my YouTube videos, and I feel like I've been much better off for it. So originally, my freelance business would fund my podcast, essentially. Yeah. So, you know, like I it was kind of annoying to pay for that, but also it saved me so much time every week and it was a much better job than I could ever do. And then the same with the YouTube channel. Like I always knew that I wouldn't edit those videos because I'd just been so used to not editing the podcast. I mean, I technically could because I have those skills from being a motion designer, right? But I just knew it would be better if someone else edited it. So I just made that decision from the start. Yeah. That's like the, that was the hardest part for me, right? When I like hired a YouTube editor, I was like, people hire me to edit videos or like make educational videos for them. And now I'm like outsourcing this, but like it really comes down to like, how much is your time worth? What is your time worth, right? My podcast editor, like he, it would take me two hours to edit my podcast probably. Um... And like a podcast like this, like lining everything up and like cleaning it up or whatever. Um, so like even if he's charging me like a hundred bucks an edit, which he's not, but if if he is, like is my time worth 50 bucks an hour? Yes, my time is worth four times 50 bucks an hour. So like thinking about what your time is worth, it really helps put into perspective, like should I hire somebody to do this? Yeah, definitely. And I think just also having that collaboration and those people on your team to collaborate with. And, you know, I get a lot of ideas from my editor and also 
he has an assistant too, which I've now actually hired her to help me with some social media as well. So we're kind of like a little team, which is really nice. And I like them very much. And it took a long time to get people that I really trust that I feel like are part of the Motion Hatch team. But um, I'm really happy at the moment. So it's hard hiring, but when you find the right people, it's great. Yeah, that's that's such a great way to put it, right? Because again, my video editor like really focused on educational videos. Was not much of a YouTube editor. Um, and like they're very different. They're very different things. Um, which maybe you don't know until you get into it. But that's how I felt at least. And so like I feel bad not sending more work his way. But also, you know, if, I, if I'm making content for YouTube, I want it to be for YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's um, it's a tricky one. I've done a lot of hiring and firing over the years, and I think that um, I've learned a lot, which I'm now trying to teach other people in my industry so they can scale beyond themselves, which is quite exciting. Nice. Um, so uh, sticking with the consistency for one more minute, do you like do you batch your content? Do you make a video a week? Like how far in advance are you scheduled? Things like that. Yeah, it's the hardest thing and I'm still working on it. It's definitely a work in progress. What I'm trying to do is content Tuesdays. So every Tuesday, I either write scripts or I film videos. Um, And I'm trying to get into doing that every week. So one week I might be writing four scripts and the next week I'll try and film four videos. I've never managed to film four four videos in a day yet. Mm -hmm. So um, obviously it's not going very well, but... Sometimes I can get two or three done, which is good. So we can get like a few weeks ahead. I would ideally like to be a month ahead, but I haven't managed it yet. So yeah. it's pretty tough. Yeah, that that is tough. So let me ask you now this two follow-ups based on that. And then we're going to move on to the last question, which I think is really good about like how you're using it to grow your business. Um, do you, when you record multiple videos in a day, wear the same clothes for all of those videos. <laughs> no, I well, I do wear the same clothes, but I change my top or my jumper or whatever. Okay. So it looks like I'm wearing different clothes, but I probably just got the same jeans on. Obviously, no one's got, Yeah, 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 that. yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> That's like more effort already than I do. Like, I'm like, ah. I thought for a while, I'll just always wear the same t-shirt in all of my videos. And I'm like, now I got to like, own like five of this t-shirt or make sure it's always washed on recording day. That's like, so. Yeah, it's hard. It's because sometimes I think, oh, if I want to do four videos, I haven't really got four tops clean in one day that I like wearing for YouTube. So I feel like I need like YouTube clothes or something. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm like, it's like probably like, I don't know, but I, I feel like as a dude, I probably have a little more slack. I like maybe that's like sexist, but like feels like no one's ever commented on my appearance in a vid- in one of my videos. And well, I, I feel it, yeah. yeah, I feel grateful that no one really comments too much on mine. But I feel like that's because we're quite small right now. But mm-hmm. I'm sure it will happen. Apart from someone said they like how my hair color changes a lot, which, but that was <laughs> nice. I was that's like, nice, oh, yeah. Thanks. That's like yeah. somebody somebody during one of my live streams was like, "You're really cute," and I'm like, "Oh, thanks." And then they kept going, and I'm like, "Now I'm uncomfortable. I'm a married yeah. person." Yeah, I, I think that <laughs> I don't. Obviously, you don't like it when that happens, do you? Like, yeah. don't you know talk 
about me. You know, I'm trying to teach you something. <laughs> yeah. It's not about me. You're like, yeah. I know I'm on camera, but it's not about me. Right. I don't know. Yeah, it's um, tough. And then my follow-up question, or my second follow-up question is, do you use a teleprompter? Or No. You, okay. Because I think it makes you look like you're reading. I have tried in the past. But what I do is, um, what we found that works really well, actually, is doing a little read-through, like literally mm -hmm. just recording it and just reading it, like, but more as like a voiceover. Because then mm. if you make a mistake when you're like looking to camera, usually the editors can use a voiceover bit and put a bit of B-roll over or something like that, and it makes it sound more succinct. So we recently just started doing that, which really helps. But then I just usually take it in like two or three sentences and try and like remember them, say them to camera look back okay. at the script. And I don't really write scripts in a way that I need to say it word for word. I'll kind right. of write, sometimes I'll write rough stuff or I'll write the intro word for word and then I might just write bullet points or I might write it kind of a bit wishy-washy and then I'll just talk around it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, hit the major points, right? That's like, that's the thing yeah. I struggle with, with if I write a script. I feel like I want to say it exactly as I wrote it. So like one of the things that from for LinkedIn learning courses, like they want more on camera stuff from the instructors. Mm -hmm. And so I have a really good setup. I they say I have a really good presence on camera. And so they want me to do more. And like the first time I actually worked with a director from LinkedIn and he I was like trying to get it. He's like, you don't have to get your script exactly right. Just like make your points. We'll record the VO, like you said. Um yeah, and I was exactly. like, okay. That That is great and also like a mental hurdle for me. Like I wrote it this way. I want to say it this way. Or like even if I kind of say it, you know, I feel like there's like good because I, I feel like I am a good writer. Um, and like I want to get it right. But that's like a mental hurdle I got to get over. Um, all right. The last question I want to ask you in, oh, by the way, dear listener, in How I Built It Pro, um, Haley and I both went through uh, Justin Moore's Brand Deal Wizard. And so we're going to talk about like YouTube sponsorship in How I Built It Pro. You can sign up for $5 a month over at howibuilt.it slash pro. Uh, so you'll get ad-free extended episodes of every interview I do. Um, and this one. So there you go. Howibuilt.it slash pro. Okay. You are, I'm going to, I'm going to make a strong assumption here, right? That you're using YouTube to grow your business and you're not use like, you're not like trying to make money from YouTube ads. Is that a fair assumption? Yes, definitely. Okay. So what is, so does that involve like a call to action or are you like promoting certain like lead magnets? Can you take me through like how you're, how you're trying to grow your business with YouTube? Yeah. So we have two courses right now. One's called Client Quest, which helps you to get clients. And the other one's called Balanced Business Bootcamp, which helps you to scale your business beyond yourself using systems or hiring or potentially building in alternative revenue streams. So they're the two main courses that I have right now. So I want everyone to go into either of those, ideally. Um, so what I do is I have a free five-day course, which leads into Client Quest. And then we're working on upselling from Client Quest into Balanced Business Bootcamp because that's a much higher level. But what we also do is we have a quiz 
to see if Balanced Business Bootcamp is a good fit for you. And then if it isn't, we point people to ClientQuest because we don't want people going into that program if it's not a good fit. It's, you know, a more expensive program. They'll be better off in ClientQuest. They can get more clients. They can level up in that way. And then maybe they'll Mm. be a good fit. So I'm all about trying to get the right people in the right places. And there's kind of different ways that I do that. And we're still sort of working out the systems because Balanced Business Bootcamp is just coming out of beta. But that's how we do it right now. Is So we're either promoting the free five-day course or the quiz um, when Balanced Business Bootcamp is launching, which it is currently right now. We're going to have a new cohort in March. So we're kind of in that process right now. Um, but Client Quest is currently open on Evergreen all the time, but we might close it. We're sort of still experimenting a little bit with that. But yes, like you say, we have lead magnets. So sometimes we'll have specific lead magnets for a video. So for example, on one that I did about a statement of work, we had a free statement of work template. Um, Sometimes you might have like a cold email template. We've got social media guides. So if I'm ever talking about social media, I'll just mention the social media guide. What I think works best is having it integrated into the video. Like I do do a call to action at the beginning to download the free five-day course. Mm -hmm. But what I would probably recommend more to people, ideally, if you can make videos and then make a bespoke lead magnet, even though it is more of a pain, that always works better. Yeah, I mean, I say the same thing for, I mean, that that's the advice for blogging. That's the advice for podcasting too, right? Like Amy Porterfield like perfected that, right? She'd have an episode about like, how to do Facebook ads. And then like her lead magnet would be like five mistakes that you make with Facebook ads or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So, so we just do a similar kind of thing like templates and downloads. And then um, we have a newsletter. So, you know, I'm trying to provide a lot of value in there. And usually I've started doing like, not just having it as like a notification system because someone said that to me once and I was like, oh, that's so right. When it, you just get a newsletter every week and it just says, here's a video. Like yeah, people don't yeah. care about that. They're like, why am I here? I want more content. Right. So I've started writing like a mini essay or like a story type thing to go along with it and and sometimes including job ads and stuff like that. Nice, nice. I like that strategy. I do like my Monday email is like a digest. Yeah, um, exactly. It's but there's like, like some, you know, there's some, some new content in there. But then like my... Thursday newsletter is like brand new content, like just for the newsletter, quote unquote. It's just for the newsletter, but it was like on LinkedIn probably two weeks ago. Um, trade secret, I guess. Uh, that's great. Yeah, so yeah. one <laughs> one follow up here. Um, you you specifically call out the lead magnet, right? Because like I had Marie Poulin on the show last year, and she like blew my mind because I, I was like, oh, so you have like a call to action for like your course. And then she's like, no, I just put it in the description and people buy it if they like the video. And that was like absolutely bananas to me. But it sounds like you're calling it out. It's relevant. Do you do you link it in the description or pin a comment or whatever? Yeah. So we usually put it at the top of the description, which I don't know whether is right. But um, I mean, I'm just like, this is where I want you to go next. So I put that. And then um, I put like the description underneath and maybe that's wrong. So if anyone's listening to this and they're like, oh, she's making a bad mistake right there, then let me know. Because, yeah, I I think that's just what we've been doing because we're like, this is the most important thing. And also it's valuable and helpful. So you should download it, you know. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting, right? And and I mean, conventional wisdom is that 80% of people are clicking because of the title or the thumbnail anyway. So like you might as well use the most important description real estate, which is the top of the description for the thing you want people to do, right? That's my thinking behind it. Yeah. But I don't think there's actually like no one's ever told me to do that. I think right. I just assumed that, which is why I think maybe it's wrong. But yeah, well, we'll I mean, if it's working for you, then I'd say That's if it true, works, yeah. <laughs> right? If it ain't broke, don't break it or whatever. Um, yeah. If it ain't broke, don't fix it is what it actually is. Um, again, <laughs> trouble speaking today. Um, Haley, this has been great. Um, I'll ask you two final questions. One is, do you have any other advice for people who are trying to leverage YouTube? I think that my advice would be give yourself a time on YouTube to really try it out because I don't think you can go on there and expect results straight away. What worked well with my podcast is I felt like I said to myself, even if nobody listens and everyone thinks I have a rubbish voice, I'm going to do this for a whole year and see what happens. And that's exactly what I said with YouTube. And it's worked out pretty well for me so far. So I think if you're trying out LinkedIn or Twitter or something like that, you could probably do it for about three to six months. Mm -hmm. But if it's a bigger content piece like YouTube or a podcast, I would commit for a year, no matter what. Yeah, I like that. I've always, something that stuck with me is like, I heard someone say, uh, if you're not willing to do, like, when it comes to, like, starting a business, if you're not willing to do it for three years, like, you shouldn't do it at all, right? And yeah, the idea I think is, like, that's good advice. you shouldn't expect to to be successful in three months or six months, right? Like, you you got to build your business. Um, so I like that a lot. Uh, and this has been an absolute blast. If people want to learn more about you, where can they find you? Yeah, so if you want to chat to me, I'm at Haley Akins on Twitter and you can find me Haley Akins on LinkedIn. But if you want to check out Motion Hatch, we're on all the social medias and on all YouTube and everywhere. Um, and you can go to motionhatch.com as well. Nice. I will link to all of those things and everything we talked about in the show notes, which you can find over at howibuilt.it slash 309. So we'll have the show notes there. We'll have our sponsors, Gap Scout, Groundhog, and LearnDash. And of course, you can become a member of How I Built It Pro there as well. Haley, thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. And thank you for listening. Until next time, get out there and build something.